Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome, warrior. You're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. All right. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit excited about sharing this episode with you because it's probably the number one question that people in person ask me. Uh, But I do have to give a trigger warning. So we're looking at life after infertility and whether or not I'm traumatized. So if you do not want to hear about my kids, if you don't want to hear about what life looks like for me, then definitely don't tune into this podcast. So people always say, as I say, they always ask me, am I traumatized? They want to know what life looks like now. I can remember my experience really vividly, all of it, all the tears, the meltdowns, the situations that I was in even like the really big health and well-being changes that I made. And I'll never forget the trip that I made to Lombok. And that was probably like a combination of my rock bottom and my turning point in my life. The miscarriage that I have has forever changed my life, probably for the better. Not that I wish that it hadn't happened in different circumstances. Nobody wants that. I had my medical miscarriage right after I had OHSS, right after I had my first IVF cycle. By that time, we'd been trying for two years and my emotional state was at rock bottom. We kind of threw our hands in the air. We went on a last minute holiday to Lombok in Indonesia and I just thought, screw infertility. I felt like it had completely ruined my life. My hair was falling out like nobody's business. I'd been walking around work with tears in my eyes. I wasn't able to focus on anything. I kind of felt like I didn't want to, I just wanted to crawl into a hole. I wanted to be able to pause life, gather myself up again and rebuild. But you can't do that. You can't pause life. Life continues. And yeah, I just wanted to crawl into a hole. I really felt like I didn't have the strength in me to continue any longer with, you know, with anything. I definitely didn't feel like I could do another round. Didn't matter if it was frozen or fresh. I kind of felt like I was done. And if I'm honest, I wasn't having anything like suicidal thoughts or anything like that. So don't get me wrong. But I kind of felt like, well, what was my purpose on earth? Like, what was, why was I put here? If I couldn't become a mum, what the F was going on? Life was terrible. It was going to be terrible. So we went on this trip to Longbok and that was kind of my turning point. And things changed pretty rapidly after that. So sometimes I felt like I needed to experience that rock bottom in order to learn the things that I know now. Life looks really different to what it looked like at that time. And I would not even recognize my person, let alone like my day-to-day schedule uh, and things like that. It just looks so different. So life on the other side. I fell pregnant 
in, I think it was May. So I had my miscarriage in around January. We went to Lombok in March. I fell pregnant around May. And I was a little terrified, but I was also really committed to enjoying the pregnancy. Something that I see a lot of fertility warriors do after they fall pregnant, I talk about this a lot with some of my friends in the fertility community, like um, Monica from the Infertile Diagnosis podcast. We've talked about this, that if you don't do the work, and I mean the emotional work, if you don't get your shit together emotionally on your journey with infertility, it's going to hit you again in the pregnancy. If it doesn't hit you again in the pregnancy, it's going to hit you in early motherhood because all that shit is hard. (laughs) It's all really hard. You know, some people coast through pregnancy, but I see a lot. We have a sister group. So if you put a note in this, if you fall pregnant, and you want like a group to support you, we have a follow-on group from the Fertility Warriors Support and Chat Group. So you can go into like the settings or something like that and find linked groups. I think it's called Pregnancy and IVF Mamas, but we have this group. Do you know what I see all the time in this group? Women who fall pregnant and are now so fucking anxious that something's going to go wrong now. That's the only words I can describe it is that they're, not able to enjoy their pregnancy because it's all like just so freaking terrifying. They're still in the mode of analyzing every single symptom, every single thing that's going on in their bodies and wondering whether that's because something's going to go wrong. They're petrified. And do you know what? Sometimes things go wrong. Things went wrong for me. I had a miscarriage. But like the second time around, like after I'd been through this big change and done all the emotional work, I felt like I could cope with another miscarriage. You know, I kind of, do you know what? Generally, I feel like I can cope with anything that life brings me, which is not to say that my life is all roses and lollipops and I walk around like this calm, zen person, just blessing the world. Like my kids are crying and it doesn't bother me at all. It's completely not to say that, y'all. I get stressed by things. Sometimes I get anxious. Sometimes I get frustrated, just like people, but I move out of it pretty quickly. I have this bigger awareness that things end, that I can get through it all, that I can look at it in a rational sense. I never hesitate to get help when I need help. And that has manifested itself so much in my journey to motherhood. Uh, which I'll discuss a little bit later. I feel like this podcast could go on for three hours, but we're not today. But I, yeah, I get help in so many ways now. Uh, so I felt pregnant and I was determined to enjoy my pregnancy. I mean, I used to do this before I felt pregnant. Some people get a bit funny about people touching their bellies. I was like, hell no, everybody rub my belly. I want you to send your good vibes to my baby. I want good luck. You know, physically, it was hard. I'm not going to lie, both pregnancies, I was so uncomfortable. I could not sleep. For my second pregnancy with Olivia, I literally slept like sitting up in this weird on the side position for probably six months. Uh, And I'll talk to you about how different my second time around was to first time around. But, you know, I just didn't sleep both my pregnancies just because it was so uncomfortable having this thing squishing all of my organs. But I felt positively radiant. 
Like I literally coasted through my pregnancy. I was determined is not to say that I didn't feel anxious at times, but not really super freaking anxious. I just felt determined to enjoy it. And that's because I did the emotional work on like being able to pick my fears, being able to pick the like little stories that I have about myself straight up and conquer them. So that was sort of how I went with my pregnancy. I had massive trust in my obstetrician. I was determined to like I followed the woo-woo thing and I didn't have a doula, but I got these hypnobirthing DVDs. I went into labor at about 10 p.m. and I was sleeping in the spare room with my first pregnancy because I was so uncomfortable. 10 p.m. started having these cramps. I was like, "Mm, this is right. Went till about 1 a.m. until I went into my husband. I was like, I think this is showtime. We were timing it. They were six minutes apart. I called the hospital. They were like, yep, come in. By the time I got to the hospital, which is only like a 10, 15 minute drive away, my contractions were so close together, like one and a half minutes apart. They just escalated really quickly. I couldn't even walk from the car park without having all of these contractions. I had a contraction as I was, you had to buzz the buzzer because it was like 3am in the morning by this stage. You had to buzz the buzzer to get in. And I had a contraction as they buzzed open the door that I then had to press the buzzer again to be able to let in. The birth was like really hard and really painful. I was throwing up everywhere, my legs and arms. I like, you don't understand shaking unless you were watching a video of me of how I was shaking. I was really shaking. I couldn't stand on two feet. So when they're talking about hypnobirthing and births and things like that, everyone's like, walk around, you know, do this, do that. I couldn't walk. So anyway, so I ended up having an epidural, ended up becoming a mum. My beautiful angel, Chloe, did not sleep like ever. She was a newborn and she used to sleep about two lots of 15 minutes in the day and I would spend hours trying to get her to sleep at night. I got all the books. I tried all the things to get her to sleep. Before, when I was pregnant, I was super cocky, which never serves me, and I thought that, oh, I'll figure this out as I go, blah, blah, blah. Now, anyway. She didn't sleep. We went to sleep school a couple of times. It didn't work. Uh, I ended up sleeping in the same bed as her until I was about four or five months pregnant with Olivia. And then we went on from there. But I generally otherwise kind of coasted with motherhood. My milk didn't come in until day two because I hemorrhaged uh, a little bit with Chloe's birth. And that's quite a common thing. And something that I think that you don't get prepared for is. Number one, all of the things that can go wrong with birth. I heard someone once say that when you're on a flight, something like 60% of the time, shit goes pear-shaped. But majority of the time, we don't find out about it because the pilots are just such professionals at their job. They've figured out these scenarios, etc. I feel like giving birth is the same thing. Things go pear-shaped a lot of the time. But a lot of the time we don't really need to worry about it because we've got professionals like obstetricians helping us out. Births hardly ever go to plan. I remember breastfeeding Chloe in the middle of the night and the next thing I remember was waking up, like shaking myself awake, jolting awake and going, oh, my God, I've got the baby in my arms and I fell asleep and then realising that all I had in my arms was my doona. And that's just the sleep deprivation. 
I can't quite describe the sleep deprivation and especially for about 18 months straight. She didn't sleep through the night until she was 19 months old. Do you know what? I got really used to it. Uh, she was my little cuddle baby. She used to sleep in the wrap all day long and that was beautiful. And I was really used to the sleep deprivation by the end. She always insisted on feeding herself even right from the start. She had to feed herself. And all of the emotional work that I did prepared me for motherhood because I was so much better at just going with the flow. And, you know, people can say to you, oh, no, you haven't sleep trained right or you haven't done right. And, you know, like I'm never going to just shut the door on my kid and walk away. I tried all these different ways to try and get them to sleep and strategies and things like that. None of it worked for Chloe. Uh, so sometimes nothing works and you just have to go with the flow and accept that it's not going to last forever, kind of like infertility, and let go of control and surrender to the right now, all lessons that apply to infertility. And it just all evolves and it evolves really quickly. So come number two, I was working part-time. So I reduced my hours to part-time. I didn't go back to my stressful full-time job because it required like a lot of nights, a lot of extra hours and things like that. So I was working part-time two days a week. Once you, I guess, enter this new phase, I think for a lot of us, that like strong ambition that we had in our 20s, it kind of just fades away. And I was like, you know what? I'm just happy to go to the toilet. I know this all sounds cliches. I know that if you don't have children right now, you're like, oh, I'm so sick of hearing this. Um, it was nice to just go to the toilet with nobody banging on the door or having to sit on my lap while I'm trying to like do a poo. So when I would go to work, it was nice to just have that moment. Anyway, I know that my podcast editor, Monica, is like killing herself laughing while she's editing this podcast. I hope you are too. So then came Olivia. And can I tell you, it's really hard to get to the fertility clinic when you have a little person because it's really hard to get babysitting. So I know that when you sit there, you might be like, why do they have to bring their children and shove their fertility success in my face? But sometimes we don't have another choice. And I used to quietly die inside when I was taking my stroller and things like that into the fertility clinic because she wouldn't sit still. She was super freaking noisy. And I was like, I just want to get my blood test and get out of here. You know, I felt super embarrassed by that. And we then fell pregnant with Olivia. And infertility is still hard second time around. I know many, many people who have had like success on their first round of IVF and not done the emotional work. And then secondary infertility is hit because it's always a moving parade. Okay. So what might have been wrong the first time, there might be additional complications. Some things might have resolved. Some things might have appeared. So always understand that fertility is a moving parade. So if you have super great success first time around, that might not be the case second time around. Anyway, so second time around, Chloe was still not sleeping through the night by the time I fell pregnant and I felt even more uncomfortable than the first time. Everything had slipped, like maintaining the super strict diet that I had the first time around was so much harder. My sleep was obviously not great. Or, you know, you kind of slip in your habits, but I did manage to fall pregnant and I then ended up with a super stressful pregnancy and childbirth, but I coasted through it again because I did the emotional work. Someone asked me, am I traumatized by infertility? 
And do you know what? I'll never forget it. I'm forever changed by it. But I feel more so traumatized by motherhood and actually not necessarily the motherhood of just one child. Managing two children, I have no idea what three or four children would be like. It's never going to happen for us. But the juggle of two children is bananas. I have no words to describe it. I literally can't describe how bananas it is, like two people crying at you at the same time. And I used to, when they were first born, I used to like, they both used to be crying in their beds and I used to be going from one to the next, from to the next. And when you have two children, sometimes someone's just going to have to cry for a little bit until you can get to them. And I've actually been dying to give some parenting advice. If I have any advice to give, it's that it all passes and in hindsight it passes so quickly. So when you have a child who's not sleeping, you might be feeling like you're absolutely dying. Chloe didn't sleep through the night for 19 months and I did all the things right. I read all the books and stuff like that. Olivia was born. I was expecting probably the same thing. She was positively awful at sleep until she hit eight months and then just all of a sudden started sleeping through the night. I did all the things wrong. Um, Nursing Olivia was super hard. She had a lip and tongue tie and I was at my wits end when she was born. I was obviously recovering from losing half my blood in like 2.4 litres of blood and trying to juggle two children. My husband works for himself, so he works really long hours and He had to go back to work straight away because no work, no money when you work for yourself. So it was often me on my own dealing with it. When you have your first child, everyone comes around all the time. They help you. When you have your second, they kind of leave you to manage it, even though you need help more. And I couldn't nurse her because she had a lip and tongue tie. So she couldn't even really have the bottle. It would just all come out the sides because she couldn't really like purse her mouth and stick out her tongue properly like they need to to breastfeed. And so I'd be trying to feed her for like an hour, an hour and a half. Then I would try and pump. Then I would try and give her the bottle. By that time, she'd missed her sleep. Something that I never really, I didn't realize so much about motherhood, but they like, they have kind of these set things for like, they need to sleep after an hour and a half or after an hour. And they really do like, and I remember first time around going, I can't notice the sleep signs. What are the sleep signs? I don't notice these. And then second time around being like, oh, the sleep signs, I can recognize them straight away. Anyway. And so she couldn't feed. So that took us a long time. And then that's a long time for, you know, like a two-year-old to have to wait for attention as well. So it was just a constant juggle. Now that I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and I'm on the other side, these are my advice. Everything passes. Like it's all an age and a stage. Everything has new challenges. Everything has little like difficulties and hurdles that you need to overcome. Number two is actually fuck what they say about calm mum calm baby I was super calm with Chloe and sometimes she just freaking like would not stop ditto with Olivia I'm quite a calm and patient mum sometimes they still lose their shit you can't help that but do try to be calm wherever you can like just everything zen because everything's going to be okay in the end it gets better at three weeks six weeks three months and six months And I feel like it gets way easier. Like once they hit two and four, everything is, for me, way easier. So life after infertility, what does it look like for me? So 
my husband works full time. Uh, he sometimes works like six or even seven days a week. So it's me. I wake up super early some mornings. I wake up at 4.30 some mornings because I need to beat the kids to get awake to be able to get myself showered and ready. So I will talk about it on another podcast, but it like it makes everything a lot calmer and a lot easier when I am dressed and ready for the day and organized earlier. That means I go to bed really early, but if I can beat everyone awake in our house, my kids wake up at like 5.30 every day. If I can beat everyone and be super calm and just be there making breakfast and getting stuff ready, then it makes for a really calm and easy way to start the day. So I wake up at 4.30 some mornings. I try to meditate for 15 minutes. I am currently doing a version of Nishkam Karma meditation. I try to journal. It very rarely happens. Um, I have a decaf coffee, help Ross get ready for work, get the kids up, get them dressed. Some days Chloe goes to school, one day she goes to daycare, and one day they'll go to my parents' house. I work still. I'm My personality is just that I like doing multiple things, so I have two jobs. This is one of my jobs. My other job is as a marketing manager at a residential university college. And as soon as I get home, I am making dinner, putting people to bed. So pretty much my only time to myself again is after 8 p.m. It's nonstop with motherhood. Uh, is 365 days a year. There's not a lot of me time. I cannot just go to the shops if I want to go to the shops or go and grab takeaway without having to bring everyone with me. And at night, sometimes people are sleeping, but it's awesome, right? That's what we dreamed of. I am forever grateful for my children. I'm forever grateful that I have learned the lessons that I have learned because I think it makes me a much better mother to be able to, you know, recognize my stories, to have that emotional resilience and have the calmness and peace that I have nowadays. So I hope that helps. I'm not quite sure who might be listening to this podcast. You might be a fertility warrior. You might be a fertility warrior with secondary infertility, or you may be a fertility warrior who's just fallen pregnant. Whoever you are, sending you good luck vibes. And I'm very open to any kind of requests. I'm a super open book about motherhood. So if anyone wants to know anything about my journey, then you can always, always contact me and I'm always happy. Best place is probably in the Pregnancy and IVF Mamas Facebook group. But thank you for listening today to something that was a little bit of a different episode. No, I am not traumatized. Yes, life is great. But yes, motherhood is quite a challenge and quite hard. Have a great day and thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe if you would like to listen to further episodes. And seriously, I would be forever grateful if you would give me a review. Like seriously, so, 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 so grateful. Please give me a review, hopefully with five stars as well, because the more people who give reviews, uh, the higher we'll rank in iTunes and the more people we can reach with the Fertility Warriors message. Thank you again, and I will catch you at the next Thank you for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast with me, your host, Robin Birkin. If you would like more tools, resources and courses to help you survive your journey, please head to robinbirkin.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it with others. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.